Fines and uh, permits, 
understand uh, how legal that is. You know, what's legal is, um, I don't know, I can wake up in the morning and uh, go get up and walk over to the john and take a piss. That's legal. Nobody's going to get me in trouble for that. I can do that any day I want, any time I want, without asking permission. I could do it a thousand times a day if I could. I could do it perpetually if I wanted to. I could have five thousand Johns in my house and a hundred thousand porta potties all around my yard and I could just go from one to the next and then be no problem at all whatsoever. I can plant ten million carrot seeds and I can grow ten million carrots. And I can make carrot juice out of those, and I can dry those carrots, and I can sell them as carrot chips. I can feed them to horses. I can transport them across the land. I can mail them to Uzbekistan if I want to. And nobody's going to have a problem with it. That's legal. Cannabis, on the other hand, no, that's not legal. What it is, it's highly, highly regulated, if allowed at all. It's very subjective. It changes from minute to minute, day to day, place to place. The people who were your friends today become your enemies tomorrow when they get certain permissions to do certain things. Um, you know what also changes is public perception. The latest news uh, stories out here in California, for all of you who think it's legal out here, is that uh, in the city of L.A., and I don't know if it's all across the country, but I know it's in the city of L.A. for sure, uh, they got permission to shut off your power and water if you don't have the right papers. They can just shut you off. Now, you can be paying a, a, a lease on a home. You can you can be you know paying rent. You could probably own the place, for God's sake. didn't say there was any restrictions whatsoever. It just said... <clears throat> If they determine that you have an illegal pot operation, meaning you don't have all the licenses, fines, and fees, and permits, and your little ducks in a row, then we're going to go after you. We're going to go after you in a way that's substantially harsher than it was a couple of years ago when we had a sort of a vague, ambiguous law that people were fighting against, and there was a lot of people fighting for their freedoms. But... Uh, it was a lot more, um, I don't know, even-handed about how they went after people. And they certainly couldn't just shut off your power and your water if you owned a home and you were living in it. They just didn't have that right. So I want to talk about that, you know, ending prohibition, decriminalizing this plant. Why don't we think about Maybe that. Why Why aren't more people talking about finishing the job? You know, it's kind of frustrating, but I am not big on being frustrated. I'm big on getting things done. And so I watch these little factions and fractions of people doing their thing here and there, and it's good. We're making some progress. I mean, anything's better than nothing, right? But how much better is something that's divisive or not cohesive and not, not comprehensive, how much better is something divisive than nothing, you know? 
sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I wonder. Sometimes I wonder if we're not our own worst enemies by just either simply giving up and just saying whatever, it wasn't worth it all together, or what we're doing right now, which is kind of running around and, and, and it's a clusterfuck, for God's sake. There's no there's no organized ending prohibition in any way, shape, or form. There's a thousand little people in a thousand little groups doing their own little thing. And if you were on the outside looking in, you wouldn't have a clue what we wanted. You know, I can remember back in my trial, 18 days in court, 18 days, a whole month, when you calculate the time across. In 18 days, I went to court, and we went, well, 200 and some days I went to court, but 18 of those days, I was in a trial. And every day of that trial, we got as many people as we could together, and we went outside that courthouse, and we shouted at the top of our lungs, what do we want? And we said, justice. And when do we want it? And we said, now. And, and I thought that those were appropriate words. And we also had another chant that we said, and it was simple. It said, no jail for pot. And we yelled it, yelled it, yelled it, yelled it, no jail for pot. And it was simple. But it's what we want. And it's not no jail for, for less than six plants. And it's not no jail for people who have a license. And it's not no jail for people who only make, you know, CO2 oil. It's no jail for pot. That was our message. That was that was what we said we wanted. And that was nine years ago now, or eight years ago, that I actually was in this trial. And another couple of years after that, and, you know, today is the 3rd of April, and in 12 days, or 11 days, I think it's the 14th, in 11 days, I'll be able to talk a little more freely about things. You know why? Because the federal statute of limits for the feds to pick up a case that was a state case will have run up. Five years, the feds have. So for the last nine years, I was first arrested in 2009, so for the last 10 years, I've been concerned, sometimes deeply, sometimes in the back of my mind, but concerned on some level, that the feds could pick up my case and charge me, and I would be facing a minimum of 10-year mandatory because of what I did. What did I do? Grew a bunch of plants made those plants available to people who needed them. And I sold those plants, allegedly. That's it. That's all there was. But if the federal government decided they wanted to come in on me today, which they could, I would have no case. I could say, well, I was following the state law, But they could say, no, you weren't, <laughs> and they could go after me. And if they went after me, they would. I would probably stay in custody through the whole case because often, uh, you know, they require a substantial cash bond, and they won't let you use your own money because they'll say, well, your money was drug money. So, um, you know, unless you got a, a piece of property or some 
type of serious collateral, a lot of times people fight their case from from behind bars. That doesn't sound too appealing, but that's the world we live in today still, even though most people wouldn't wouldn't believe it. I believe that we can change that. I believe that um, it's worth changing. I believe that one by one, we can get the right people together and, 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 and wake us up and just keep pushing until we get what we want. But it's going to require a little more effort than, than we're putting out today, that's for sure. Unfortunately, if we continue down the road we're on today, I fear that you know, black market's going to reign king again, and I'm just going to say whatever. You know, I'm not going to ever quit trying, but, you know, it's we got to have enough people willing to really put that energy forward, to, to really acknowledge. You know, we got, we got well, the way I see it, we have, a I don't know, three or four teams in this. We've got the, the reform team, the people trying to pass the law. Most of the laws people are trying to pass suck kind tit. What I mean by that is when you're uh, a dog or an animal where there's multiple birds, um, the mom lays down and nurses, right? And she's got, you know, a whole bunch of nipples there with a whole bunch of milk. But it turns out that the front nipples generally produce more milk and the back nipples produce less milk. And so the runt of the dog generally gets the hind titch, he gets the last one, or he gets the last one, doesn't get fed enough, and contributes to the rent dump. Well, again, unfortunately, most of the laws that we try to get passed out there, or that we get passed, fit that, in my book, they're inferior. They're, they're, they're not robust. They don't give us freedom. Now, you think about that and you say to yourself, okay, well, these laws are not really designed to give us freedom if you think about it. If you look at the, the rhetoric that the people that are trying to pass these laws, they say, oh, regulate it, <laughs> tax and regulate, tax and regulate, regulate it like wine, regulate it like alcohol, regulate it, regulate it, regulate it. We're going to make it safe. Okay? That's, 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 that's our best idea. That's our best idea. So that's what keeps happening. Okay, so you got those people. You got the prisoner people, which of course I'm one. I support that. We should not have any pot prisoners done. There shouldn't be a single one. Luckily, more and more people are getting out, and that's certainly a good thing, but there's still more and more people going in. Nobody talks about them, but they're real and they're happening. I don't know generally what the plan is. There we there are some plans that are going through with the prison people and the Human Solution International has avid, avidly and actively engaged and supported some of them. Some of them more successful than others, but we don't give up. That's the one thing we don't do is we keep going until we get what we want. A lot of it is simply bringing awareness. I think that awareness is, is paramount in this conversation, but I think we need to maybe take it a little more seriously. You know, people are certainly aware of the latest rapper that got shot. 
people are certainly aware of what the princess over there in Great Britain is doing. People are aware of the latest fashions, and people are aware of the latest terpene and the latest trend of whatever the business side of things are. They're aware of that. But they're not even aware of the things I just talked about. So, yeah, we need to bring awareness to that. So that's another another group of people. There's unfortunately a huge group of people that are like the I don't know the the soft core advocates activists. They're the ones that will come out to the festival, and they're the ones that might donate a buck or so. They might even buy a ribbon or they might do some little thing, but that's where it all ends. You know, they like to smoke their pot, which is fantastic. I like to smoke my pot too. But when it comes to actual action, hey, as long as they got access to what they want, generally speaking, there's not a whole lot of activity, the soft core folks. And then there's us. I would call us the hardcore folks. You know, we're the ones that actually wants to finish the job. Now, what do we all have in common? We all think this plant's important. We all have an affection for this planet or a connection to this planet. We certainly share that. What do we have difference? Well, there's a lot of personalities, a lot of personality problems. There's a lot of, um, you know, people want to be their own thing. They want to do their own thing. So uh, there's a lot of disconnect. Um, there's a lot of hesitance or reticence to be a part of a group because, you know, there's all these things that people will say, oh, well, that group's no good because of this, or that group's no good because of that. And it's, it's, you know, so often, um, you know, every group's got some kind of stink on it for some reason. So what do we do? What can we do to, to bring ourselves together in, in a single voice? You know, I say this constantly. I, I, I say it behind closed doors. I say it in meetings. I say it on open forums, wherever I get a chance to. You know, what if, imagine this, what if we could create a world that looked any way we wanted it to? What if we could paint that picture that said, hey, this is what I want the paradigm to be? Liberty, freedom, these are things that I talk about constantly. But, you know, here's the problem. With liberty comes responsibility. I have been given a, a, a bitter pill recently that came with my giving of liberty to a lot of people that I trusted, that I had to trust, I need to trust, I need to live in a world where I trust people because otherwise it would be a horrible world. I don't want to live in a horrible world. But in giving liberty, and when I give it, I give it blindly. I go, well, this is how it is. It's going to be, everybody's going to do the right thing because I trust them and I give them liberty and freedom. Well, it turns out not everybody does the right thing when given the opportunity. And I've been, unfortunately, had to uh, be put in a spot where I've had to reflect a little bit on on humans and human nature, and, and you know, we have a group called the Human Solution, and I believe so strongly, so, so passionately that the Human Solution is really the key, the key, the Human Solution. We are the Human Solution. We can fix anything. We, together, 
part of this organization, the people that I know that I've spent time with are the most amazing, wonderful people, people that have done so much good, so selfless and so kind and so loving, so so passionate, so real. I have seen miracles happen in the last 10 years of walking down this road. You know, I've been studying freedom fighters. I, I've, I've studied Nelson Mandela, and now I'm studying Martin Luther King a little bit. Um, some of the some of the founders of our country, much as you may or may not believe in in some things, they were they were they were fearless and they were willing to take a chance, and they were willing to break away from the norm, from what they had before, which was tyranny, which was oppression. I hate to break it to you folks, but we got some of that too here. You know, and I know it wouldn't take all that much for us to break this thing wide open and say, you know what, I got a thousand plants, so what? What you going to do about it? It's not hurting anybody. You know what it would take? It would take all of us to say, yeah, you're right, so what? And if somebody came in and decided they wanted to take those plants because they were law enforcement and they were, you know, funded by the federal government to eradicate said plants, and there was a whole lot of people giving a whole lot of negative press to that, because guess what? There's still poverty. There's still violent crime. There's still all kinds of real problems that law enforcement and government officials are supposed to be helping out with. And having a 1,000 plants wouldn't be that. Hell, I had 3,000 plants at the time. I got busted 3,000 plants. Oh, my God, what do you do with 3,000 plants? Why do you need that many? It's what I could do. It was the right thing to do at the time, and it would be the right thing again to do if I, if I saw fit to do it. Because it doesn't cause any harm, and it helps a lot of people. I was hoping today I was going to have a co-host, a woman by the name of Tracy Arnsberger. And uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Tracy. Craig will be calling in probably pretty quick, probably before I finish telling the story. But um, I had a, a medical marijuana dispensary collective, we called it at the time, in California a little town called called Garden Grove. Now, Garden Grove is a, a town that sucked time tit because Disneyland came along and they wanted to settle down in Garden Grove at the time. Garden Grove said, we don't want that here. And Anaheim ended up saying, sure, we'll take it. <laughs> How'd that work out? Wow. Oh, yeah, Anaheim's self-sufficient. Garden Grove sucks. <laughs> Nothing going on in Garden Grove. So, um... But anyways, we ended up there, and I had this little spot we called Unit D, and it was a, it was a, I think it was a barber shop or some kind of a home. It was a massage parlor at one point. Anyways, it was a home that was converted into a business, and it had been several businesses before we moved in. It was rough. We moved in, and I actually had to physically build a good chunk of it. Um, and we started it from scratch. We didn't have any money. We uh, the market real estate market had just crashed, and you know we were we were trying to figure out a way to make a living. And it turned out I knew a little bit about pot, and actually I've been growing for about 20 years at the time. And 
we said, let's give it a go. In doing so, I thought to myself, we have this medical marijuana law, and it's a freedom of sorts. I bet, you know, some people probably take advantage of it and probably don't really qualify according to the law. And I thought to myself, well, hell, if 10% of the people had some serious ailment that was benefited by cannabis and the rest of them just needed a general feeling of well-being, I'd be totally cool with that. I thought that was, you know, on the moral high ground. I had no issue with that whatsoever. It turned out, as we set up, we found that there was all kinds of people with all kinds of problems, and they were serious. Our patient population was generally, uh, or client, I guess we didn't have patients or clients, but um, I'd say about 60 to 70% of them uh, were screwed up. I mean, had major issues. Uh, we got referred by oncologists, by uh, uh, general practitioners, and, and we had all kinds of people with all kinds of problems. Anyway, Tracy comes walking into our shop one day, and uh, she had MS, multiple sclerosis. And if you know anything about MS, it, it is um, a disease that can be extremely debilitating once it moves and starts to progress. And Tracy was doing okay, but she she had issues. She had a hard time talking sometimes. She got uh, trigeminal neuralgia sometimes. And um, here's Craig Cecil. So I'll finish the Tracy Arnsberger story after Craig. I don't have a prepaid call. You will not be charged for this call. This call is from Sometimes just for health reasons, but uh, 
unfortunately, he's a the cellmate, they put him in, you know, solitary confinement for a while, you know, and they, they start eyeing him real funny when, you know, when it's really Right, right. Oh, it's crazy. So how's uh, the weather starting to warm up a bit out there? Well, last Sunday I was sliding around the track because there was a couple of inches of snow. Yikes. But today was beautiful. It's in the uh, low 60s today, so, uh, and some sunshine. So we, we, some vast improvement over the last week. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's been uh, beautiful spring weather out here. It's, uh, I don't know, it's been in the 70s and even the 80s last couple of days. Now, the good news is, is on Monday they uh, they had uh, what they called a, a first up at uh, Victory Party in Washington, D.C. There's a bunch of people celebrating that they had passed uh, what they're calling the criminal justice reform bill last uh, December. And they just kind of had a victory party, uh, uh, including President Trump and, you know, a whole list of people that we both know were even there. But the good news is, is they're at least talking about at this point uh, that that was the first step act, and they're, they're talking about the, uh, some are calling it the second step act or the next step act. But they're talking about a whole lot of things, and there there seems to be at least a whole lot of support for um, somehow decriminalizing marijuana. Now, another one of the pushes is, is for the feds to do, as California and a few other states have done, to even expunge old uh, records. Uh, well, these are possession-only records. Yeah. But, uh, but, but they give some relief to those in prison. Right, right. Yeah, that's, you know, I, I was talking about uh, that last week. They, in California, they're, they've actually created some kind of a, a computer algorithm to uh, try to find all the people that qualify for these expungements. But unfortunately, most of them are, are if not all of them, are they're all minor, um, you know, Minor infractions, but you know, if it'll help out somebody to pull a felony or a misdemeanor off their record, it's all good. I mean, every every step that helps, you know, remove the stink of of this is is a good one. That's for sure. Well, the person that seems to be making the biggest push for the next uh, criminal justice reform uh, initiative to include something for marijuana is Senator Cory Booker from New York. He's also running for president, but uh, as much as I, I haven't found much that I agree with, <laughs> I, I do like his push, uh, you know, to decriminalize marijuana, even if he's doing it for making it a racial issue. But uh, if that works, I'm happy with it. Yeah, I don't really care what angle people go by. His his initiative or his, his bill is, seems to be a pretty good one. Um, you know, I just hope that one of them, you know, we there's, I don't know, 14 or 15 bills that are in the House or the Senate or both, and, and they all seem to still die in committee. We haven't had a single one of them even close to a vote. So hopefully one of them will finally push through. Right, right. Unfortunately, of the, well, I guess what I would consider experts or pundits on these you know, variety of bills that are up there, usually under some sort of revenue angle, is not too many people really like them. I, I'd like to see a one-sentence bill that says remove marijuana from the Control Substance Act. Period. <laughs> well, you know, the um, 
the, the one that Dana Rohrbacher had submitted was five lines. It was literally five lines, and it basically it, it gave the states the rights to do that, but it basically said just that. If a state decides they want to allow this in any capacity, the federal government will follow suit. And, uh, I mean, I, you know, it, it wasn't a, a perfect answer, but it at least opened up a door for an ironclad position where if a state said, hey, we want this, the feds had to stop. They couldn't. They they would no longer have the the you know the the mantle of the Controlled Substances Act uh, to stand behind. But it, again, that Tommy, hasn't done anything. It just it died out. Tommy, we we've seen that work. It, it, it works with alcohol because one thing I've used in that is uh, you know as an example is is beer. Different states like Iowa for one can only have 3.2 or, you know, 3.2% alcohol beer in their state, same as Oklahoma. And really, nobody's too put out by it. I mean, Illinois right next door has 5% beer. And, I mean, nobody really cares. I mean, it's just they're a different state. They do things a bit differently, and that's fine. Right. Yeah, there's, um, like, like Utah, I think, has state-run liquor stores where you can't, there's no, uh, there's no 7-Eleven you can buy a bottle of whiskey at. you got to go to these specific state-run stores, and I don't think they're open on Sundays or whatever their little special thing is, but everybody says, whatever, that's cool, that's how we do it, that's how we do it. You don't like it, go somewhere else. What's uh, odd, though, is that there seems to be a whole lot of dislike for the bills up there, and I think you pointed out in the past that the bills seem to be, or at least a bunch of them seem to be initiated in different revenue committees, so they're that kind of tells you what they're angling. Yeah. Unfortunately, those tend to be dominated by some sort of business they really thinks they're going to reap a windfall from. Exactly. And, and you know, it's, it's the same that happens in most of the states. Um, most of the, you know, the grassroots effort, they don't do too well because, you know, it takes it takes money to, to, to get your opinion out in front of people. And the ones that have the big financial backing generally have, you know, uh, uh, one or more people or entities that have a, a major stake in, in the business side of it, and they will benefit in a way that, that limits other people's benefit. It's just the way it is. It's politics as usual. It's a free market society, and it would take a tremendous act of um, rebellion, which, you know, we're in the United States of America. we got rebellion in our blood. We, we can certainly do it if we set out to, but it's, it's it's, you know, a little frustrating for me to get people to even realize that we still have a big enough problem that needs to be rebuilt against. I agree, I agree. Because that revenue angle, one one thing that I've always questioned about it is, like, for instance, Colorado, you know, they, they sold it on that the state's going to have a whole bunch of tax revenue from marijuana. Now, granted, they did pull some people in from out of state, especially when they were the only state with recreational marijuana. A lot of people came from a lot of other states and brought some money to Colorado. But what I think overall, especially now that, you know, so many states have introduced, you know, some form of, you know, medicinal marijuana or some form of recreational marijuana, is it's not as if there's, there's new money that exists to be... It's called a federal prison. 
they're just moving money from somewhere else. That in a lot of these states with, that have legalized recreational marijuana, their alcohol sales have went down. <laughs> I mean, exactly. it's not simply, you know, newly grown money. It's just there's different sources to gather that money. Exactly. Yeah, it's just getting reallocated, and you're, you're right. And there's only so much expendable income people are going to put into this, and there's only so much investment money. Although, you know, people are probably not investing in tobacco farms anymore, and and there is, you know, shift a shift to to this kind of investment from other types of investment. But, you know, the the consumer side of it, there's there's only so much expendable income that people are going to put to this, and you know, unfortunately, these these exorbitant uh, regulation based initiatives, um, they price this stuff out of, out of the ballpark. Um, you know, and there's some places where that's not been the case. Oregon, I understand, um, you know, there's so much of a supply that it's, it's actually affordable there. But the problem is there's no people in Oregon. So, it's you know, they've got this giant surplus of pot that they're trying to, you know, get out of state because there's not enough people in Oregon to uh, to consume it. Supply and demand, you know, determines the price of everything. Of course, of course. Yeah, so it's... Go ahead. Now, the money I I believe they're missing out on is the money that Canada is collecting, not so much from their own citizens, but Canada is now the, by and large, the supplier of marijuana to all of Europe. So there's a market that we could have tapped to bring more money into the United States, and we're missing it. Canada is reaping their money. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, that's the whole thing about it is as some of these other countries are, are you know, maybe not so uptight as we are about it, um, and they're, they're realizing, you know, again, as, as, as some of these, uh, you know, chains are falling off, you know, when was the last time anybody talked about Uruguay? You know, remember a couple of years back when they, when they passed their – Law they allowed for it to happen. When was the last time you've heard anything out of out of Uruguay? Nothing, not a thing. They haven't been in the news one bit. Guess what? It's still legal over there, and nothing changed. And they've got this little economy, and uh, the only thing that changes now people can have it. They don't worry about getting arrested for it. Uh, imagine if we were to uh, open up the supply line uh, and 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 actually have this be a crop. I mean, years ago. Hemp was the big crop, and we were exporting in it and and using it internally. Um, you know, it, it would be super simple. There's, it's such an easy crop to grow as a commercial crop. It maybe isn't so easy if you want to be the boutique farmer and make the 10 out of 10 buds. But for a commercial crop, it's it's a relatively simple crop to grow. There's there's plenty for everybody. It wouldn't be too hard. Right, because I've never heard that, you know, they, they point to marijuana as creating mental illness, but I never heard of any rise of mental illness in Uruguay or in Canada or even in Colorado. <laughs> well, we live in a world where people can just say anything, and they can make a claim that um, they, can, they can make a claim that just says, well, we cited this study that this happened or that happened, and... You don't have to back it up, and all of a sudden it gets published and posted. Next thing you know, there's all these people talking about mental illness and pot. 
Well, go back and search that out and actually look for some real numbers, and you'll find that, well, you know, we kind of made that one up. Well, there's your first beat. Craig, I want to make sure you've got enough time to say everything you want. Well, I don't have fake news such that marijuana causes mental illness, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I do have news that I really like people to, you know, again, push your congressman that there's something wrong with our federal laws that half of our federal prisoners are serving sentences for some sort of drug that are usually three times to uh, ten times longer than the sentences that are meted out for violent crimes. There's something wrong. There's something wrong with that, especially when a fifth of the uh, drug offenders in prison are marijuana offenders, where it's hard to say a marijuana offender has a victim, but yet a marijuana offender like me is doing life as a first-time offender, but yet a violent offender, they're oftentimes... So for those of you who are new to the show, what you just heard was Craig Cecil, a man who is currently serving life sentence in federal prison for pot. What that means is he's not getting out unless we do something to get him out. And he gets 15 minutes for a phone call. It costs a decent chunk of money to make a phone call in prison. And he just got cut off. Luckily, he got most of his thought out. And many of you who have heard him talk before, um, you know, he beats a good drum because he has an opinion that says if we were to connect with our Congress people and, and tell them what we think, that eventually they're going to maybe take action. Um, I think we ought to just vote our Congress people out and put in a new one until we finally get one that does listen. That would be a simpler answer to me. But meanwhile, I'll keep trying. I mean, my congressman's an asshole. He just keeps on ignoring us, and we've sent him I don't know how many letters over the years, and there's never been a favorable response. His name's Ken Calvert, and uh, he's horrible, and I've never seen him do anything good. But he's certainly not our friend when it comes to this. Um, and every year, or every election cycle, uh, see his signs come up, and every time he gets reelected, the incumbent comes back in. I gotta wonder. Gotta wonder. All right, so back to Tracy Arnsberger. Um, she has MS, has MS, and uh, at the time, uh, you know, she did a little thing. She probably weighed all of 100 pounds, and uh, she's probably about 5'3", something like that. And sweetest, sweetest person you ever met. She, uh, she always was inquisitive, and she would listen to whatever, you know, we would recommend, and she would try things and come back and tell us about it, what helped and what didn't. Um, eventually, you know, I got her some plants, taught her how to grow a little bit. I'd go over to her house, and, you know, she'd say, oh, I got this problem, or what do you think? Is it ready, or this and that? You know, we became friends. Well, after I got raided, um, you know, like I said, we had over 4,000 clients slash patients at the time I got raided, and everybody was like, we're there for you. Well, by the time the trial came around, um, there weren't so many. There was some, and that number got less and less and less. Even the, the, the people that worked with us, the volunteers and employees, you know, some of them were gung-ho, going to be there for you until death do us part. Yeah, by the end, uh, by the time it all played out, a couple of them testified. 
um, most of them didn't even come, didn't even come to the court to support us. It was, uh, it was quite a scene. It taught you a lot about human nature. But Tracy Arnsberger, she showed up most of the time in a wheelchair. She was out there rallying. She cared. She knew what we did was a good thing, and it helped her in a in a substantial, real, and positive way. She got what we did, and she was affected negatively when they took us out. This is, you know, she didn't wasn't able to get what she needed from us anymore. Had to go to other people that took advantage of her, unfortunately. Anyways, when it all came down to it, um, and I finally got to put on my defense. I was hogtied by the by the prosecutor and the judge, but I was actually finally allowed to present some witnesses. Um, most people would not even, you know, they were scared. They didn't want anything to do. Uh, I, I was dumbfounded by, you know, one of our employees even, I don't know, said some real stupid things in a in a in an earlier testimony than pretty much got herself disqualified. Um, you know, there were a couple of them that did testify, and I was grateful for that. But uh, Tracy Arnsberger, she got up there and she testified, and she uh, she got on the stand and she talked about her experience. And um, it was it was it was emotional. You know, I have my, I have the uh, I have the transcript, and after her final words were were uh, touching. I don't. I don't remember them at this moment, um, but I will. I'll go back and I'll, I'll, I'll revisit them because it, it, it was powerful. Anyways, 10 years later, and Tracy Arnsberger is still my friend, and uh, we uh, she's degraded quite a bit. She's, she's uh, not able to get around very easily, and uh, we we're going to have her over for a couple of days, and we tried to do it last week, but we had a little mix up in our communication we're going to try to do it this week. It still hasn't happened, but maybe next week uh, you'll get to meet Tracy. And uh, for anybody who thinks that cannabis is, uh, doesn't do the things that many people say it does, uh, I'm sure you'll find Tracy's testimony um, compelling at very least. All right, so we're doing an hour show today. I've got about 12 minutes and 55 seconds left to go, and um, I've probably got at least an hour's worth of time worth of talking to do still. Um, but I'm going to try to keep it close to an hour if we can and, and maybe keep the keep the show a little bit more concise and, and impactful. we got a bunch of people on the line. i got Glenn Keeling on the line, um, and uh, he's got some update from Ohio. i got Pete Yapel. got a big project going on in New York. i got Mike and Sarah from Kansas. Uh, they got some big things going on in Kansas. We've got Tom Corby. Uh, just did a sneak attack on Tom Corby. That was kind of cool. I got to see my buddy up there and uh, my friend Donna and Frank and Alex and Rocky and all the folks up there and Bobby. Um, where to go? Well, I want to talk first. I think uh, maybe we can have non-compliant Mary come on. Um, she's screening calls right now. She's I. I feel bad. I wanted to tell you, Mary, that we were going up there, but I needed it to, to be a total secret, and I needed—I just wanted to spend a, a day with Tom and Donna without a whole bunch of people over, and I just—it would have been too hard to 
I told anybody else, I would have had to tell everybody, and it just would have been too hard. Anyways, um, Mary is um, donating a bunch of art, and we're trying to make this be a thing where um, people can buy this art. I've been to Mary's place, and she's got an amazing, amazing place, and she's selling her house. And uh, she's got a whole bunch of art, and I mean, like, you couldn't even imagine the amount of art that she has, and it's unbelievable pieces and um, paintings and, and sculptures and just, I mean, it, she's got a magical, magical place. And uh, out of her love and kindness, she's offered to donate some pieces to the Human Solution, and we're trying to figure out the best way to do this. So we're getting some pictures. Um, Becca apparently didn't have the pictures. I don't know what we need to do to get those pictures, but we're going to put some pictures of the pictures, pictures of the artwork on the website. And in upcoming radio shows, we're going to be um, doing some giveaways. We're going to do like a, you know, first person to donate 20 bucks to the Human Solution or renew their membership or whatever. We'll do a thing. You know, you participate in a particular way, and we're going to uh, win a one of these, one of these pieces of art, and, and it's not. It's, she's got some amazing stuff. So, uh, Mary, anytime you feel like popping on um, to further that explanation, please do. Um, I'm going to go ahead and bring up Glenn Keeling up first. We'll just kind of go in order of line. So, uh, Glenn and his wife Peggy um, are members of the Human Solution. They're chapter coordinators of the Creative Care Beacon chapter of the Human Solution in Ohio. They're also fighting a multiple felony case, and they're facing many, many years in prison in a state where it's legal. Glenn, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, Joe. Oh, hi, Peggy. Don't really have much update yet. There's nothing new going on. Um, we still don't have a hearing date. Um haven't um, had anything really. Um, the lawyers haven't called us back or returned a message. Uh, haven't. Well, that's one of the um, things that people don't realize when you're going through a case like this. Um, there's so much anxiety that happens. You know, my case lasted six years, and. Um, Every time there was a court date, you know, you don't know what they're going to do. I mean, I got hauled off to jail four times out of the courtroom. Um, so every time I, I go into court, I go, God, are they going to, you know, are they going to yank me out again? Um, and then you got lawyers that don't listen. They, they don't participate. They uh, take your money and then, you know, they don't tell you what's going on. Um, the best thing I like about lawyers is they'll say, oh, yeah, I got this. You know, they they got a motion to file, and they say, we we, we got it. They don't answer your calls, and, um, you know, your, your day comes up, and this is a motion that affects your freedom and your livelihood and your life. And you have no idea, is it even going to be submitted, what it looks like? They don't, they don't ask you to review it. They don't, uh, they don't even give you a chance to have any input, um, generally speaking. I was pretty... Um, obtrusive with my lawyer and I, I I forced my way into his office and I made sure that I was I was an integral part of it. But I was very 
you know, I was unusual in that way. Most lawyers, you know, they just kind of give you the brush off. And it seems like that's what your lawyer's been doing. Is that kind of kind of on the point? Yeah, they they tell us to live our lives and let them do their job. And when they right. get a hold of us, they'll get a hold of us when they need us. Exactly. And, and, and you know, the problem with that, and people don't think about this enough, I don't think, is that, let's see, if something goes right, you get your life back, and they go back to work, nothing changes for them. If something goes wrong, you go to jail, and they go back to work. So they got nothing at stake in this, and you got everything at stake, and yet you are asked to just trust them. Um, and I've unfortunately seen a lot of lawyers, in my opinion, put in less than a vigorous defense as they're uh, ethically um, uh, mandated to give you, not just a defense, but a vigorous defense. And in so many cases, I've seen much, much less than that happen. Um, and I, I don't know, you know, we, we have this conversation all the time with pe- so many people and so many different lawyers. I wish I knew what to do. I wish, you know, people call me up all the time. Do you have, do you know a lawyer that could uh, do this or that or the other thing? Do you know a civil lawyer? God, if I had a good civil lawyer um, that would show up and do what they said, I would have probably a hundred cases for them. But, you know, none of the people that, that, that would be involved with these cases have money to hire them. So, you know, you try to find a lawyer to do a, a, a pot case on a contingency, and they're few and far between. So I, I wish I I wish I knew the answer. I wish we'd just fix it where we didn't need the damn lawyers. I think that would be our best answer. <clears throat> yeah, that would be something. Um, we okay, like to ask everybody in our, to, in our um, thoughts and prayers. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I feel like I'm cutting you off. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah, we would um, like to ask everybody if they could write a sign saying, please drop the charges against Glenn and Peggy and post it. Tag Carrie Cannon in it, and she is getting those photos to the prosecutor and the attorneys. Absolutely. I've got, and if you don't know what it should look like, if you look at my public page, I've got it has my, um, what do you call it, my uh, profile picture, a sign that would say just those things that you want to see. And I think, I have a funny feeling, a sign, one of those signs is going to get written That's right. just about now. So we may do a couple extra minutes today, one way or the other. Right. And we'll get a sign up in the, in the video feed of this, and hopefully uh, that can be grabbed. All right. Well, Peggy and uh, Glenn, uh, you know, we love you guys, and uh, just know that uh, – we're gonna keep going, and and you're gonna you're gonna come out the other side. And you're gonna be all right, but we gotta get there. I know people told me that the whole time I was going through it. I said, well, gee, it'd be nice uh, nice to see that happen. <laughs> but um, just know that that we are there for you, and um, you know anything we can do. Thank you. So right. if anybody well, will... um, would like to get a hold of us, it's the Creative Care Beacon, four one nine. Eight six three zero four nine eight and ask for And say that again, once again, the Creative Care Beacon, the Ohio chapter of the Human Solution International, 
if you need help or you want to get involved to help others, what's that number again? 419-863-0498. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Peggy and uh, and Glenn, and just, uh, um, you know, it's an inspiration to watch you guys keep fighting while, uh, while you're fighting for your own freedom. You're, you're out there helping others as well. All right, well, we will talk to you very soon. I appreciate you calling. Peggy, Keeling, and Glenn, um, Creative Care Beacon, Ohio. All right, we got Pete Yaple from New York, and uh, Pete's got a project um, that is just starting to blow up. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, we have this series of problems in the United States and probably all over the world. So people have gotten themselves addicted to opiates and, and all kinds of other drugs that have serious consequences and, and all kinds of overdoses and deaths all the time. And it turns out that cannabis um, can help people that are going through these. And uh, the Human Solution International has a mission that has opened itself up to the rights of disabled folks. And it turns out if you've got an addiction like that, um, you're pretty disabled. I don't know if you've ever known anybody who struggled with addiction, but uh, it is uh, debilitating. And, and even people that really want to break free, um, it, it, it can be painful and excruciating and, um, you know, almost impossible. But uh, we've got some, we got a, a message of hope. Pete, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Well, Joe, we're uh, it's we're we called it the Port Jervis Project. It's Port Jervis, New York. We've taken on the community and uh, <laughs> decided to try to change it culturally, truly in every aspect. But it's a it's been a hub for the heroin uh, uh, distribution in this area because it sits and borders three states. It borders New York, New Jersey, and well, it isn't New York. It's New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. So a lot of the drugs have been coming through there. And, you know, people with uh, actual positions, you know, that are, you know, uh, uh, that go to save lives were actually distributing this. So they were distributing the streets and then at the, in turn going out and saving the same lives that they were putting in jeopardy. So we couldn't stand for it anymore. And then when we looked at the rest of the community and the issues that they're having, we, uh, we decided that, you know, this is something we had to help with. And, uh, and it just seems like every day something new happens. And today they had a community dinner there, and we went there and helped there. And, and sure enough, who's there? The the uh, school uh, had the what's his name? The board, uh, the board school board had a superintendent of schools. Yeah. So Helen went right up, you know, gives them our card, explains to them about our TV show and such, and how we can offer it to students and bring in children, and we can teach them and show them a TV Give production, a you know what I mean? Give them a tour yeah. and stuff, you know, and, and engage the community a bit more. And, and in turn, too, we've been speaking to uh, Mayor Decker about uh, a mural on our whole building because our building's just a mustard yellow building, and nobody knows that it's a TV studio or, or even goes to it. So. We'd like to draw on, you know, have local artists, and we've, we've reached out. We're going to reach out to a guy named Hani Shahadi, 
He's a famous chalk artist in New York City, and he's local to Port Jervis, and he shows up at the community center every Sunday and everything anyway. So we're going to ask him for his skills and another young lady – that another young lady that we know that that did the whole mural uh, project for the city of Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, and she's a friend of ours, our, our, a good friend of ours, uh, uh, daughter. So we're we're starting to compile these teams without it. You know, I mean, it's just become that easy. You know, I mean, and people are really understand it, and they're stopping us in the street and telling us they're glad we're there and. Can't believe we're still there. Oh my gosh, you got yeah. Every day you'll see us. Every day, you know. Um, so it's been it, it, it's you know it's been a true success. Uh, tonight was beautiful. Oh, today was a great day, Joe. Yeah. Uh, it was such a good day. We had uh, uh, people. I mean, p- kids coming in, people just coming from everywhere because the day was just so pretty. And we had uh, another person from the studio come over, and then he just picked up a guitar and started playing and singing and. It was just awesome. Just everybody bullshit wow. and it was just so good. It was it was such an awesome day. Really was. We met a young girl that's an incredible artist and, and and she's a dancer. She does these like ribbon dancing and stuff. Very, very talented young girl. I booked her on the show for the twenty Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> So it's been it's really been great, and we're and we're really excited about it. Uh, truly, it's been a really truly exciting thing. Well, that is exciting. So um, I, I can't wait to see uh, to see this unfold. You've got uh, community leaders getting involved. You've got um, I understand we've got a, a little support from the Libertarian Party. Absolutely, we have the, we had Larry Sharp on our TV show Monday. We filmed and. And uh, we pitched the idea and showed Larry the blueprint, and he said, well, let me tell you what. If this isn't libertarian, nothing is. You have the absolute full support of the party. Support of the whole party. And he said, if you want me to MC any event, I'll MC any event for you. All you have so, to hey, ever do is pick up the phone call. Did you tell him about the sidewalk chalk guy? Oh, yeah, I was just mentioning, Hani Shahadi. The guy's name is Hani Shahadi. If anybody, Shahada. Shahada, sorry. If you want to look him up on, uh, he's got a beautiful website. He's, he's uh, famous uh, in New York City yeah. for sidewalk artwork. Yeah, wow. so he does like side, sidewalk chalk artwork. And who better? I mean, you know, he's got a great he, website. At the end of the day, you know, if we have people with that insight and that vision that can do things on those grander scales, we're you know, and they'll offer their sense their self to the community. And that's really truly what this is all about, guys. This is just about a community. Lifting itself up, you know, it's a hands-up program, not a handout program. We'll all each help each other live better mm-hmm. by just being individual, you know. And it, it, it's really, it's been really beautiful to see yeah, so far. Sure has. Well, that's exciting. So tell me, if somebody wants to get involved with this or any of the other projects going on with the Solidarity Over Separation chapter in New York, how'd they get a hold of you? Okay, the best way to do it is always by our webpage, www.canawetalk42, a small letter O, dot com. And then always our phone number two, mine's 845-522-3162. You know, I might not answer right away if I'm busy, but I'll always return a call. Fantastic. Well, you guys are amazing and doing great work, and you know, it's 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 awesome to watch uh, our mission expand a little bit, and 
Um, you know, there's so many ways that these good people involved with this organization can help the people that need it. So uh, exciting Absolutely. times ahead. Hey, say what before I get off. We are uh, also at our, at the community center in Port Jervis. If anybody's in the New York area, and, of course, we're sharing everything around here, and I know all our people from Solidarity will be too. Every Wednesday night starting this next Wednesday at the Port Jervis uh, uh, community center, we will be teaching our, our CBD 101 course. And we'll feature Willow Creek Springs awesome. product, and we'll be, we'll be letting people know you know, how they can, like you're saying, how they can make that transition from drugs or just how they can get some relief or how they can really just stop going, seeing the doctor and shoving a 500 pills in their mouth a day. So, you know, it's, it's truly a completely healing thing. Love it. Love it. Awesome. All right. Well, this is exciting. I want to, I want to, can't wait to hear what's going to happen next. And, you know, it's funny years we've had so many, um, you know, harrowing, uh, anxiety-ridden, uh, terrible stories that we that we follow and, and support people going through these horrible things, and it's it's encouraging to have something positive um, that we're being proactive and and you know starting to be a solution in a way that's not just helping people save their lives and and their freedom and their sanity and all the other things that we do. Um, but to actually get in and, and be proactive and, uh, you know, making the world a better place in yet another way. I like, like Helen and me say every day, it's on my car, it's on my business card, it's on my TV set, it's at my, uh, my TV show set. We live the change we see in the we, we wish to see in the world every day. What we wish to see, and that's individual, everybody, understand that. My vision isn't yours, but if you live that change every day, this would be a beautiful planet, man. There we go. Go Team Gandhi. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, always great to hear from you guys, and, uh, you know, well, we'll talk tomorrow on our, on our regular call. You got it, brother. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a good night, everyone. Awesome. All right. Pete Yapel, folks. All right. We got Sarah and Mike from Kansas. They're our chapter coordinators from our Kansas chapter. And uh, they got some big things going on as well. Sarah and Mike, how are you guys doing today? Hello. Doing really good. Um, The Human Solution for Kansas Act is House Bill 2413, and it went in today. All right, so for those of you who don't know anything about this, um, I want to just give a little preface and let these guys explain it. So the Human Solution International is a 501c3 nonprofit. We do not, cannot um, endorse, create uh, legislation or elected officials. However, our name is sort of a generic kind of a name, and it turns out that you can use that name. There's a furniture company called the Human Solution. So certainly we could, uh, independent members of the community could create a bill and call it the Human Solution Act, and it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with us. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And we certainly don't officially endorse it, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, but I don't don't know. I'm excited about it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you guys got going on? Well, we just got it in, and we'll have to wait for to have a find out when the hearing is going to be, and then uh, once they get through a hearing, we'll just kind of see what 
if anybody's objecting to any of it, and go from there. So you guys modeled this this act or this initiative. Um, and now, Kansas does not have a ballot initiative process, so this is actually a legislative bill that's been submitted through the normal channels. Um, so in California, we, we get a ballot initiative, and you get all these signatures, and then that you go through a process of approval, and then once you do that, um, you can if you get enough verified signatures, you can get your initiative put on a ballot. Well, in Kansas, it doesn't work that way at all. You actually have to get a bill. So you guys were actually acting as citizen lobbyists. You created a bill, and you, through the state legislature yeah. process, we're able to get this submitted into into the uh, into the pool. So um, that's an entirely different process than we do out here in California. And it's probably I don't know if it's harder or not, but it certainly is is a whole different uh, thing that most people are are aware of. Now you guys modeled this act out of uh, Oklahoma's legislation, which, as far as I'm concerned, is one of the best written. Um, <laughs> state legislations out there seems to be one of the most free, um, you know, allowing for the most things and, and being the least restrictive. Um, and so far in Oklahoma, nothing's gone horribly wrong. There hasn't been mayhem and, and, and society hasn't collapsed as we know it. So my hope and my guess is that, you know, Oklahoma is historically a very conservative place and very similar to Kansas. You drive through the two, and you can't hardly tell one from the other, really. So my hope is yeah. that uh, if it went over one, it might go over the other. Yeah, we well, see, we kind of went in there and pre-greased the wheels before we even got it introduced. You know, we made sure everybody understood, hey, look, this is, you know, the more along the lines of what we really want. This is how Kansas really feels. This is Oklahoma's law, you know what I mean? And we just made it sound as good as we possibly could we used the republican party mainly because well not only do we agree mostly with them but we also uh they're in control you know so we just kind of said hey you know screw their pot bill check this one out make this your own we talked about this ahead of time and it's exactly what i had hoped would happen is you know just because like you said you're you're working you're working with the current uh power base, you're working with uh, something right next door that already worked, and, you know, it seems like uh, it seems like the, the most solid, it's not so radical if they're already doing it next door. Right. Yeah, we're, we're, we, well, I mean, we got a lot of hope in it, and uh, we'll definitely, well, you'll know a lot about it because you'll be down here doing some educational shit with us here pretty soon, so <laughs> we'll true. have plenty this of time to get it all figured out. Another chihuahua to the Grumbine household. <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, um, you guys are doing amazing work, and if uh, somebody wanted to come in and help out with the Kansas chapter of the Human You're Solutions welcome. International, how would they get a hold of you guys? Uh, they can just look us up on Facebook, Human Solution International, Kansas chapter. Uh, phone number's on there and everything. Real simple. Fantastic. Well, you guys are my new heroes. You're tearing it up. I I am constantly inspired by uh, watching you guys get out there and just do it. So um, that's what this is all about. 
um, you know, we're slowly one by one getting people to shake their heads and dust off their pants and say, God dang it, I can do that too. And it's happening. So that's what this is all about, folks, making the real change. It happens well, thank- from inside. We, we appreciate your your support, Joe. Love you guys. Right on. We love you back. All right. Mike and Sarah, Kansas chapter of the Human Solution. All right. We are 15 minutes over time. I'm going to let Tom Corby wrap up the show. Now, last week I uh, cut Tom Corby off, and I didn't mean to. I didn't realize he had more to say. But he uh, when, we, when we snuck in on him the other day, uh, he let me know. And so – Today, Tom, you're going to tell me when you're done. How about that? Tom Corby, NorCal Chapter of the Human Solution International. Welcome to the show. I want to thank you, Joe and Becca, Lisa, Mary, all those on the front line. Helping to take the load off, Andy, Joe, and I. Help come volunteer and be the solution to find AM prohibition and free all our POWs. That's the bottom line goal of the Human Solution International, which we're now 50 chapters. What that say? Uh, I want to thank you, Joe and Lisa, for coming all the way up here, even though you caught me with my pants down. And. Uh, your great products and oils that are helping Don and I so much to get well, amongst other things that we're doing to take care of ourselves. Uh, we always go holistic first. Uh, farms and doctors mostly allopathic medicine. They generally want to use you as a guinea pig to try this drug, that drug, or cut into you. To me, those are last resorts, and we're taking them on holistically. Uh, I'm so glad you got to meet uh, Richard Hemsley, his brother and yeah, cousin and wife. Yeah, while they were here. Actually, his wife was in here. He was at uh, Alex's, Ryan's 30th birthday party a week before. I'm going to share a little bit here about Richard Hambly's case. First of all, Bill will tell you when it's federal, uh, it's a tough goal. They generally don't not allow any sculptory evidence in. It's usually, as is in Richard's case, I'm reading, I brought his case out here and I'm reading it, so I'm going to kind of jump in and out here. There was no direct evidence in the first place, only circumstantial. Uh, I got it here. He was charged with the usual three, the cultivation, possession, and to sell 50 pounds. He was The reason he was charged, he was charged for growing over federal line. The landlord never told him. Believe me, that went a long ways. To finally, in the end, he got his dismissal, which is, which is uh, just a huge precedence in Sacramento and Northern California and all over the world. When it comes from Sacramento and it's federal, when we went to court support for him the first time, believe me, this is a huge win. Uh, then I posted today on Facebook, it uh, came up, uh, Richard Hambley's Marston hearing motion 9 a.m. Uh, this Friday, 
April 16, 2018. Now, mind you, that was a year ago. Yeah, a year ago. You remember, Joe. I always yeah. say local courts. Yeah, always all say local courts report requested and to come bear witness a 50-mile radius, and, of course, we'll go further when when, uh, when, we, when we take them to trial with the courts. This is what we always do. Our mindset is is to take them to trial, get all your discoveries, throw the 995, dismiss probable cause motion at them, and generally... If, if once you throw it, make them sick of you. Even like Joe's case, it finally goes away. Uh, to read on here, around uh, him. Uh, so, what is a Marsden motion? It's to recuse or fire your PE or attorney and go per which is self-representation under the Constitution. By the way, it's a tough road to hold, especially being federal, which I said here. We honor Richard for standing his ground, taking uh, Nevada County on, which it was, and the federal was in Sacramento, that's right, Nevada County, uh, on the trial. Uh, we the people with no victim, no crime. I am to dismiss. Now, that was back then. So, uh, And David Allen, I want to thank him so much down in Sacramento. Uh, he, he, would, he, would, he went for Richard a lot and helped so much. Finally, eventually, uh, due to Hemsley standing ground and taking sack and uh, uh, county, Nevada County, on the trial, this case was finally dismissed, uh, which is historical. So, mindset is, folks, uh, if you're going to advocate for defendants, whether it's just you or many people, a lot of times it's if it's just one person there that can help advocate, uh, this is where you go. Make sure they get their all this discovery. Once you get your discovery, generally uh, you're going to buy for or the DA will two or three months extension to to uh, review the your discovery. And when he's and so uh, when we talk about attorneys, Joseph Tully, uh, what he said. It's all zeros, all these hearings, until uh, until they take you on uh, to uh, uh, let's see. Uh, trying to think here, I'm still getting over this with, uh, mold allergy, and I'm doing pretty good. Well, anyway, uh, thank you again all today. Frank can answer, and uh, Nick Moran. Hey, uh, yeah. hey Joe, how's it going today? Going fantastic. How's it going, Nick? Uh, Nick's not here at the moment. He's here, but he's not. Okay. Oh, he's right on. Helping Donna, and then uh, yeah, without without Frank and and and, uh, and Nick and friends, and thank you all. I don't know how we do it, and uh, Frank also being from Kansas City might want to say a little something to our representative there, uh, Frank. I'm very ecstatic and happy about all the progress that they're doing in Kansas. So thank you guys. There you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we got a good right, team. All right, Joe. All right, thank you all today. Don't forget to greet and now let's bring in Louis. <laughs> all yeah. right, I let you this one out. I didn't do that. I cut you off last time. All right, everybody. Well, I, I appreciate uh, everybody for being here, and 
Next week is another week. We'll see. Maybe we'll have Tracy join us. Maybe we'll have another guest. If you want to be a guest oh. or you have a guest go. on the show, go ahead and uh, go on to the website, thsintl.org, and uh, send us a message. You had something else you want to say, Tom? All oh, right, Joe. here we go. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always on my mind. You're still on. Go ahead. You have one last thing you want to say. All right, Joe. Tom, am I on yep, now? Still on. Listen, I want to mention Dr. David Allen. You all know that he, when we talk about federal cases, uh, he spent uh, 14 months in Mississippi federal prison. Uh, they took his property. Uh, he's a icon. Uh, Second to none to stand his ground. Now, uh, Dr. Allen uh, is actually back in uh, Mississippi, thanks to Sue Colum and the help of others, Frank and all. Uh, he's uh, uh, so uh, got rid of his place in Sacramento, where he was paying a thousand dollars a month rent, and he's actually uh, moved in to his uh, property in Mississippi. He's got on the board back uh, things look good for him and uh, he actually plans on selling it if he can and moving back up here with his friends in Northern California I just want to say that Dr. Allen uh, friend alright well, we support Doc Allen and all the rest and uh, thank you so much Tom alright we'll see you all next week